0: All right, y'all, Philippians chapter 4, some of the most beautiful texts that we have. We should be grateful to the Apostle Paul for all of the circumstances that allowed him from prison to write this letter to his friends in Philippi that culminates in this great chapter. It will be in the first nine verses together today and 10 through 14 next week as we head toward Advent, but I'm so grateful to spend these uh, two weeks with you in Philippians 4, it's been a joy as well to go through our vision series the last six weeks. I hope you were encouraged by that. I hope you now know uh, what our um, vision uh, you know, values are, because we want to live those out. And if we don't know them, we cannot live them. This is where those values come to a head, what our text is proclaiming this morning when life gets difficult, which we all share in those moments, those extended periods of time, we know what this looks like, what Paul is talking about. No matter what your circumstances are, you can relate. We have been through nearly two years of a pandemic together. So many things about the world are still weird and scary. We are ever so divided in so many ways about that, even those of us within the church. With that in mind this morning, we look at these words from Paul, who is dealing with division in his beloved friends in Philippi. Verse 1. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintish to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Let's pause there for a moment. Whose names are in the book of life. These are folks who are following and being formed by Jesus in the first uh, early years of the church when this was so important for it to stick and for the church to be united and for the world around the church to understand what Jesus is like, this group of people that were called the way. It was so important that the way actually looked like the way it was supposed to look, right? And so Paul is urging his friends in Philippi to agree to get along, to work through their disagreement here, particularly Euodia and Sintich, who he mentions from this, we need to understand that women are leaders in the early church, significant leaders. And we have a beautiful example here on our staff. You just witnessed video of Oksana. Oksana, who blessed a group of women last night in Carthage, Tennessee, preaching from First Peter, um, teaching uh, and encouraging, exhorting. Susan, who helped bring the mobile dental unit, uh, not not just Susan, but... uh, So much of what we do missionally, I'm so proud of, that we've been able to do in the last two years. And yesterday was a great example of that with the mobile dental unit on our campus. Miss Hannah, who is working with our children in a time where families can't wait to get back here and families are skittish to come back. Kids needing to be with each other, learning about Jesus, but that Taking such a hit during this time. And Hannah needs your prayers to help manage workers and volunteers and encouraging families. Because it is so important for our kids to be together learning what the gospel looks like. I am here to tell you, my five-year-old, Hattie needs your prayers. And your kids. Nola, who works with Hannah. You may not know. I don't know. But she's serving in... Um, our, child, our children in preschool ministry. And she's a product of her father and mother who are stalwart missionaries in Mexico, both of them. I think of the countless women. We mentioned one in the prayer time in Germany who make up our IMB, our international missionaries, who have made up our international missionaries for over 175 years. So many of them are women, women contending for the gospel and men. Each of us, both of us, what a blessing to be able to do this together. Now, the way we follow Jesus today and seek to draw others to him, if that causes the women amongst us, like Hattie, to feel less than or for whatever reason unable to be called to the gospel, then we are holding back the church. Women were leaders in the early church. Specifically, Euodia and Sintish, in our story here, and they were having a bit of a spat. Who amongst us cannot relate to that? And that's not exclusive to the women among us. Men, we are disagreeable as well. We may not be as good at it. But we have to strive for unity as well. What I mean by that is we just bottle it up sometimes, and we don't need to do that either. We strive for unity. There's so much disunity right now. And we are not outside of it. And the rest of our text today helps speak to how we can push back against this darkness. That has caused anxiety. That has caused a, a lack of awareness of what the way of Jesus actually is. And what it can and should look like. Which has caused division in our Relationship. So what does Paul have to say about that much? Let's continue in our text. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Oh. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell Think, other translations say, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. Okay, we have a problem that Paul is identifying here, I believe. There's many problems. The problem we're going to focus on specifically today is a big one. It is that the Lord is near, and we live like the Lord isn't. The Lord is near, and we too often live as if the Lord isn't. So, what would, what, what, <laughs> every week, every week, the point of us getting together, proclaiming the gospel together, trying to, to reimagine it or see it in a new light inviting the Holy Spirit to impress it upon us in a way that maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't before. It is always so that we will go and do the things that it looks like that need to be done for people who understand what the gospel is. And too often we live as if the Lord isn't near. So what would Paul have us do to understand about that? Because I think Paul saw that in his day. That was already characteristic of the church, even in its early years. They were living as if the Lord was not near. Jesus had left. It made sense to maybe fall into that lie, that deception. But the Holy Spirit had come, specifically at Pentecost, to live amongst us. And the Holy Spirit still does. The Lord is near, but we live as if the Lord isn't. So what do we do? First, we rejoice. Paul will say it again for emphasis for those in the back. Rejoice. The first way we can live together as if the Lord is near is to rejoice. It is why we rejoice. And then it contributes to our believing that the Lord is near. And what does our rejoicing look like? It looks like this. I don't know what the first half hour did for you. I was lost in the truth of the gospel, singing beautiful songs with my friends. So grateful for that time. It it built up, I believe, our church. It was a time of rejoicing, and we did it together. It's called worship. We gather together on Sunday mornings and in other ways, and we celebrate the Lord's goodness and presence together. This is not for, call, for Paul. First, a call to individual re- rejoicing. It is that. But first, it's a call to communal rejoicing for us to recognize together. And we do it in a rhythm. And yes, we fall into the trap of believing that we're just supposed to show up here because we're going to check the box or we're going to get a point for being at church. But that is not why you should come. It's what we do to rejoice. And yeah, I raise my hands sometimes. I'm getting over feeling self-conscious about that. I clap sometimes. And I do want to hear Paul's call to gentleness because that's a part of the verse four here. That's that's a part of what he's saying. So we want to not be reckless about it. But we want to be glad because it is great news. Rejoice. Together. That's the first thing. Gentle, consistent, faithful coming together and reminding one another of the gospel. Second, sorry, cold. Can't have a cold anymore. It's scary. <laughs> Prayer instead of anxiety. I have anxiety about having a cold right now. Now, when Jesus in Matthew 6 asks his listeners who were hearing the Sermon on the Mount, he asks the question, who can extend their life at all with, with worry? He, he's not admonishing his listeners so much as he's inviting them, I believe, to see the futility of worry itself, to, to see how pointless it is to worry. As I've gotten older, it, it seems to me that worry and prayer are, are opposites. They are literal opposites. For the Christian, the one following and being formed by Jesus to worry is, is, is to fail to recognize that the Lord is near. To pray is to recognize that the Lord is near. And to spend time with the Lord who is near. The Lord is near means the Lord is present in our lives. The Holy Spirit, I mentioned it a minute ago. It also means that the Lord is soon to return. It's a, it's a both and. So the Lord is near, but we live as if the Lord isn't, but we need to badly. And Paul is calling us to, to rejoice, and to, to, to have joy, which this joy echoes throughout the whole letter, the whole book of Philippians. And we can rejoice and we can reconcile with one another which helps build God's family. We can follow Paul's advice to Euodia and Sintish, letting our gentleness, letting it be known to everyone. What we do matters, how we agree, how we disagree, how we work toward understanding matters. And the building blocks, the foundation for having the ability to understand that, to remember that when times get tough is if we are a people of prayer together, the Lord will whisper to you these reminders if you spend time with the Lord who is near. When, when Paul says the Lord is near, he believes that the day of Christ is near. He believes this. I, I think we, we, we talked about this stuff in seminary all the time. But I think, yes, the, Paul and the other writers, early church apostles, would have been surprised that we're still around here trying to figure this out in year 2021. 2021, it's 2021, Wow. They believed that the day of the Lord was near and that because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and will guard our hearts and minds in Jesus, because they also believe that we can be OK until the day of the Lord does come. And maybe not even just OK, but joyful, glad, maybe even who God has called us to be, even in this already but not yet time when the Lord is not in fact returned to make all things new which will happen in other words paul is encouraging us to remember that, that no matter what happens god is still god the lord is near we have a reason to hope to be optimistic not only about the future and the end of time when that will happen And all things will be made new, but even right now in the present with what God is doing right now, that God is active and that God is moving and that we have the opportunity to be a part of it. And when we worship together, when we rejoice, we are being a part of it. Paul is in prison writing this, y'all. I'm going to have pizza for lunch. We can believe this. Third. Thought patterns celebrating God's goodness. The text says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell, think, be about these things. Prayer is not the only way we battle anxiety. It's the first way. But if anybody has ever told you, to pray your anxiety away. Shame on them. That is reckless and incomplete. We are smart people gifted with God's presence and God's goodness who care for each other. Who've been called to care for each other. Prayer is vital and first. But there are other measures. A whole host of them. I think of cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, a commonly used therapeutic technique treating anxiety and depression. It's based on the principle that thoughts, emotions, and actions, ours, they all influence each other. For example, about a year ago, the summer of 2020, we visited my brother and his family up in the Shenandoah Valley, up in the mountains, kind of around Waynesboro, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, And we took a hike up the mountain, our whole family. It was so fun. I have a picture of where we got to. Check that out. There's my crazy wife out there on the edge. I did not walk out there. Uh, When we were here, just keep that up for a moment, Jay. When we were here, uh, my actions became very uh, timid, careful. I actually began feeling like I was... uh, Taking the steps I was taking up around there, I actually began feeling less stable (laughs) with the kind of steps I was taking, you know, not walking how I normally do. And I had that thought at the moment, like my anxiety right now is making me less (laughs) stable than if I just take a deep breath. Hattie, our three-year-old at the time, she just hopped right out there with reckless abandon because she was ignorant, because she didn't have the same feelings I was doing, but she didn't know to be worried or careful. So think about this with me, y'all. You can pull that down, Jay. It was a good day. I didn't get out on that ledge like Leslie did and Hattie. Think about how this plays out, cognitive behavioral therapy. An example of something we might tell ourselves. This is a very near-to-me example. I'm not good enough. I say that to myself a lot. Please help me not say that. And then because I'm not good enough, I'll never amount to anything. And then because I will never amount to anything, I'm going to be lonely. Flip it, though. Lean into what we've sung today, what we've reminded each other of. Lean into the fact that you are a child of God and tell yourself that. Think on that. Dwell in that. I have value as a child of God. Maybe you love writing and you're good at it. Maybe you could write a devotional or an article or even a a book. And then through that, maybe you could encourage people in their following and being formed by Jesus through your writing. I had one of you tell me a few weeks back, change your perspective, change your life. Cognitive behavioral therapy would agree. I think Paul would as well. At least it would be a part of what that looks like because joy is not an escape from the pain of life. It is a reconsideration and reinvestment in life from a different, liberating perspective. It is solid understanding that the Lord is near, even when it can be easy to tell ourselves the Lord is not. This is a letter that Paul wrote about rejoicing During uncertain times, no matter what is happening in our lives, we can move forward in faith. Do you see that? The kind of faith described in Philippians is not it's not a vacuous. Everything's going to work out just fine. Pollyanna worldview. It's, It's a recognition that God is near. Paul has high expectations of his friends in Philippi. If he did not, he would not seek reconciliation with the disunity that is present. He would not encourage them in this way. He thinks they are capable, spiritually mature people. You see why it's so important to believe that God is seeking to use us to work through us, that God does have a plan for this particular group of people in this particular time and place. Do you see how anxiety, how worry can chip away at what God is asking for us to participate in, for what the kingdom can and should look like in this place? I've said it for several weeks in a row right now because it's weighing on me heavily. There are so many people who aren't here. Or who don't know you, or who haven't heard the good news. And yes, they're in Germany, they're in Mongolia, they're in Belize. They're also right over there, right over there, right here. Paul thinks you're capable, he thinks we're capable. And he knows that in the hardest of times with whatever is going on, we can rejoice and we must rejoice. We can have joy and we must have joy. We can live as if the Lord is near. And what this does, it produces our last point that Paul makes here, I believe, in verse 9. It produces a style of life that does embody the gospel. You lead with the gospel in the way that you just walk around the things that you do. It's one of the first things I learned as a Christian and it became hokey and now it's come back around and I love it. That somebody might ask what it is about you that makes you different. If you're anyone like me, you may have heard that when you were young. And I spent a few years seeing right through that and I was wrong. That's awesome that somebody might see something in you that they want to ask about. May it be so. A style of life embodying the gospel. Do what you, have. verse 9, do what you have learned and received and heard from me. Seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. I heard a story from a, a preacher who had just finished preaching at a church as the guest preacher for that day. And upon leaving, the preacher walked out in the parking lot when a van full of teenagers, Steve, pulled in. They had been on a mission trip to Belize. Gotten back, pulled in just in time for those leaving worship that day to greet them, parents to pick them up. And the guest preacher wandered over to the group of students and, and approached one of the boys and uh, asked what they'd been doing, and the boy said, "Well, we, we were helping build a place of worship in a very remote village in Belize. We built a church. We helped build a church. And so he was, <laughs> he was saying it, and the preacher said, "Well, what do you think about that? Are you excited? How do you feel?" The boy said, "I'm tired." tired the preacher said well are you what about that he said well it's the best tired I've ever been 15 year old boy it's the best tired I've ever been and a big smile came on his face that's joy that's biblical joy that is the kind of joy that recognizes that the Lord is near. I have so much hope for us. And yeah, it's been a weird couple of years. But I am reminded by you in many different ways that the Lord is near. People are popping in my mind right now who exude joy when I see you and i'm not that great. It's not cuz you see me. It's because you're joyful. It is and can be even more so a part of who we are and what god is doing through us. But what Susan prayed today is 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 not it should not be lost on any of us. Life is hard. This ebbs and flows. Joy is a choice. Rejoicing is communal because it matters that we remind one another of its importance. And it's also a product of knowing in our bones that the Lord is near. So do you know that this morning? Regardless of what you brought in here or what has come up to the surface while here, What does your rejoicing look like this morning? Is it first found in that the Lord is near? Let's pray.